0: Chapter Twenty Four of Countdown by Kurt Becker S J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Two. The rectory was a haven of peace. Not a sound of tumult here. Not a bit of confusion. Father Bolton opened the door, and his face became suddenly a mirror of concern as he saw Ned. "Good heavens, son!" he exclaimed, aghast. "What happened to you? It's a long story, Father." Mike replied briskly. We don't have time for it now. Can you get in touch with the best compound? I think so. What's wrong? The sons are going to raid it. They have guns. Great Scott, wait, Father Carson will want to hear about this. He pushed a button on his desk. He's here? Indeed he is. He came back to pick up some calculations he needed. Here he is now. Thank God, Ned whispered, feeling faint. Thank God. Father Carson entered, looked puzzled, then alarmed as he saw Ned's face. Crisply, before the priest could ask any questions, Mike told him about the impending raid. Can you warn them? Not from here, the lame priest shook his head. How much time do we have, an hour? "Last, I think, half an hour, forty-five minutes at most, Mike said grimly. Ferd Smythe has a bulldozer in his second section. It'll take them ten minutes over there, twenty-five, thirty minutes back to the fence. All right. The priest said, get out to the garage and get my jeep going. I'll be back in a minute. Get everybody aboard who's coming. He vanished into his room. Deborah looked at Ned. You've been a good son. Now don't worry. Gently she kissed him. Now you'd better get going. The jeep horn sounded outside. Stiffly, Ned clambered into the back seat and sat in the middle, while Walt and Amanda piled in on either side of him. Walt's brace struck Ned's leg on a bruise and he winced. The rain had stopped, but the night was overcast and damp. It felt as if it would rain again any moment. Mike sat at the wheel, his hands tense. Inside, through the open door, they could see Father Carson with a briefcase under his arm, talking to Father Bolton, who raised his hand in blessing, nodded, and shook the younger man's hand firmly. "'Shove over,' Father Carson climbed into the driver's seat. "'There is no time to give instructions. Ned?' "'Yes, Father. Take these and guard them with your life.' No matter what happens, they have to get on the ship. Is that clear? Don't let anything stop you from getting them aboard. Not anything. He tossed something at Walt. You blow that thing. Short blast. Three, two, one. Wait five. Three, two, one. Don't stop. Now hang on. This is going to be bumpy. With a jerk, the jeep started out. Ned clung to the briefcase. Beside him, the soundless vibrations of the whistle set his teeth on edge. Somewhere, he knew, those vibrations were being translated into a howling siren, and a light on a map was moving along, pinpointing the source of that banshee wailing. The jeep raced along a road, turned off, jounced along a gully, climbed up a steep bank, and rattled desperately through a field of stubble, crossed a creek with a mighty splash, and was suddenly on Route 87, racing furiously along toward Dumas. Suddenly the brakes screeched, the priest turned the wheel, and they were bouncing along a field, towards a cluster of lights in the distance. The fence appeared in the headlights, looming larger and larger as they approached. The priest turned left and drove along the fence for five hundred yards before he jammed his fist on the horn and said jubilantly, Thank God, there it is. He slowed to a stop. In the fence there was a narrow opening large enough for a man. Beyond it, in the light of the Jeep's headlights, something loomed. Chaplain's private entrance, Father Carson said, leaping down with astonishing agility. Come on. They came every step was agony ned clung to the briefcase grimly with one hand hanging on to walt with the other beyond the fence was one of the rulligan engines its motor roaring the driver was standing beside it and ned recognized him with a sense of unreality he had months before driven the first best machine ned had seen his face had been expressionless then disinterested now there was anxiety on it no time to talk father Carson panted help us get in and make tracks for the base hurry the driver helped them in, swinging a man down walled up into the body of the machine with effortless ease. He was reaching for Ned when he stopped and drew his breath sharply. Holy cow, he said quietly. You poor kid. His hands were gentle as he picked Ned up like a child and placed him carefully inside the huge machine. Stand up and hang on to that pipe, kid, he advised. You'll ride easier that way. Ned felt sick. He must be an awful sight. Grimly, he hung on to the briefcase with one hand and clung to the pipe with the other, the motor roared and the machine started moving. It was a strange ride. The huge, soft rollers absorbed the bumps, but the machine swayed and rocked like a small boat in a rough sea. Walt and Amanda hung grimly onto the pipe, too, and Ned felt Walter trying to say something which he could not hear above the roaring of the engine. He felt himself getting weak, and then suddenly the nightmare ride came to an end. There was a bright light, and the huge figure of Steve leaped easily into the truck. So you made it, kid? He heard the big man's voice through a loud roaring, and saw the sudden concern in Steve's face as it began to waver and grow uncertain around the edges. He felt suddenly that nothing mattered any more. He was aware of Walt's sudden yelp of alarm, and he slid soundlessly into a warm, soft pool of blackness that sustained him like a strong man's arms. End of chapter twenty four.